That's right, you geeks. Welcome into the Echo Screen, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. It is officially 9.03, meaning we are only three minutes late tonight. I am your host, the Commodore, and with me, as always, I'm not going to say it. I know you want me to start the Bet Midler podcast, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, uh, I was ready with Rube. wind beneath your wings. I, I know. You were. You got a different one ready every time now. We got to get away from this Bet Midler crap. Anyway. Crap. Uh, other than other than Bet Midler, how You're you doing tonight, uh, I'm good. How are you? Doing well, folks. We are drinking we are, your scotch, scotchy. Yeah, my scotch. I love scotch. This is like the second. Welcome to the Scotch Cast. Yeah, we're we're making more, uh, multiple like, uh, Anchorman references tonight. Ugh, that's a bad <laughs> way to start. You did it. You did it, not me. Um, we are going to. We got a great show lined up for you tonight. I don't. I don't Dude. know about the rest of the shows, which I'm. I don't. I never feel very confident about. I really think we we make subpar product all the time. But tonight. I think we got a good show, okay? It's okay. Uh, it's it's going to be good. Um, I think a lot of people are scared of it if they saw any of us tweeting about it, but we are going to deviate from, I think, what we what we normally do talk about, but to, to talk about something that's much more politically salient, yes, but number two, I would say also, um, <laughs> it's very topical. Yes, we're going to talk about politically salient things while everyone in the chat plays with colored text. Plays with colored text and uh, uh, you know quotes us from the uh, CDI marathon from years ago. Yes, this goes to show that that you really should be if you're listening to this podcast later on. You really should be joining us live if you possibly can because it is very entertaining. It's wonderful and and rainbow colored. It it absolutely is like so, Ireland right about now. <laughs> topical, right, exactly. Topical. Uh, tonight is the topical night, so uh, we, we, you know we we always do the, the news and notes. We won't deviate from that. Where we will deviate is we're going to talk uh, about a topic tonight that's not about video games per se. Um, it's not even necessarily about technology per se, although I think it's much more closely related to technology. It's really more about the trends around technology and technology culture. We're going to talk about the Silk Road. Um, specifically, we're going to talk about. The Silk Road to Hell, which I thought was a particularly uh, uh, clever title that you came up with. Which so. is, uh, to complete that, The Silk Road to Hell is Paved with Good Intentions. There you see. I love it. I so. don't know if Silk Road was... Well, I get, you know, we'll get into it. You, you could argue whether yeah. or not it was started with good intentions. but You absolutely could, and we will. Um, I just thought this would be a great topic for us to discuss. We're going to do that tonight. It's a little bit different, but I think, we're, I think everybody's going to appreciate it in the long run. And then thirdly, if you've been following along, the third part of the program after the topic du jour is the question and answer portion of the program. You can ask us questions, uh, you know, really about the topic du jour, Silk Road, which it happens to be tonight. You can ask us questions about the tids and bits, the news and notes, or you can ask us questions about just about anything, including boobles. Um, <laughs> just made an appearance in the cat. It I made mean, an appearance. In, 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 the, in the cat? In the chat. In the cat. In, in the chat cat. Whatever. Cat chat. Let's move on. Whatever it is. <laughs> um, you can ask us questions about just about anything. How do you ask questions you ask? All you have to do if you are following along in the chat, you can just click on my name, Commodore128, right-click that, send me a private message. You'll thank me for it. Um, and then, it, alternatively, you can simply send me a tweet at It's the Commodore. Tweet me your questions there. As I always do, uh, people will uh, send questions throughout the program. I will sort through. I will separate the wheat from the chaff. Wow. Harsh. And then we will ask the best questions and answer them live on the air as the third portion of the program. Yeah. Does that sound like a good deal to you? Because it sounds like a great deal to me. Not really, but what choice do I have? 
you, you have none. You have none. Uh, meanwhile, Carrara in the chat, I think, has uh, an electronic bug in our houses because l- literally 10 minutes ago, we were talking about how Bill from Bill and Ted had did a document, done a documentary on Silk Road. Yeah, that's 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 kind of creepy. That is, that is pretty creepy. Anyway, I am going to talk about that. We'll, we'll get to it. We will, right. we will totally get to it. Carrara just happens to be in the zone. On point. Or, or happens to be spying on us. You, is sir. Carrara from the government? You, sir, are chaffless. Yes, I am chaffless. There's no question. Ch- chaffless? Anyway, okay. News, notes, what do you got? Chaffless chaps. I, I wasn't going to go there. Oh, man. Um, you always want to why, don't, why don't you go first with the, with the news and notes today? So, uh, let's start with, this news just came out like, well, the trailer came out today. Uh, Fallout 4 mm-hmm. it has been announced. I, I assume we will see a lot more about this at uh, E3. Which, oh, by the way, <laughs> if you were, had listened to the previous episode, I had mentioned that this topic for this episode would be E3. I'm a big doofus because E3, <laughs> E3. is like still two weeks away. The town now. is back that way. <laughs> so, You'll have to excuse my friend. He's so, a little slow. So we'll be able to have our E3 cast... Next time. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Because there'll actually be something to talk about rather than just conjecture about what might happen at E3. Other than, whoops, got my dates mixed up. All right. uh, So, yeah, uh, Bethesda, which has uh, made Fallout, uh, the other Fallout games, of course, Fallout 3, uh, and Skyrim, uh, as well as all the Elder Scrolls games, kind of riding high, kind of like the, the... the gold standard in Western RPGs, and some would say RPGs in general right now, mm, um, you know, coming out with their, you know, uh, Skyrim was obviously heavily influenced by Fallout 3, um, and they're coming out with a Fallout 4. I mean, not another expansion. Now, how, I, how, I was trying to think about it. How many years has it been since Fallout 3 came out? Because it was a PS3 game, right? It was. Uh, I want to say 2008, and I will actually check. Um, okay, so it's, it's been... It's been- been a good chunk of time 2008 so yeah, if right. it if fallout 4 comes this year it's a good seven years later that's not a bad time it's a good amount of time in between it's pretty good um and and i would also expect another elder scrolls game a few more years down the line which is really more my speed i i i prefer the fantasy setting uh yeah, to the uh post-apocalyptic horror of Fallout, although I can totally see that it's a very great game. A lot of people excited about it, obviously. Uh, so I think so far it's probably the biggest anticipated game already of E3. Um, what say you? I, I'm. I think it's great. I mean, I Bethesda is in many ways, like you said, the the the, the model for uh, RPGs in general, or even just Western RPGs. I love Skyrim so much. Um, you know, and I and I I obviously look forward to the next Elder Scrolls game, but would not want to rush that. Skyrim is still fun to play, even right now. So oh, yeah. there's really no reason for another Elder Scrolls at the, at the moment. No. Um, so I think it's great. I mean, you know, a, a new Fallout. It's like you said, it's been seven years. That that's that's a pretty good chunk of time for people to. I mean, you think about how seven year hiatus for a game is huge when we get, you know, twenty Call of Duties every year now. You know what I mean? It's. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or Call of Duty and Call of Duty clones, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, my favorite was Call of Duty uh, Madden Black Ops 2014 Madden. with right. Michael Vick on the cover. NHL edition. Yeah. Um, FIFA. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's topical. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think it would be it's good to, to take a little time off. And Fallout is a is a, is a really great series. Um, I don't own any of the new systems, so I probably won't be able to play it. 
Uh, uh, and that's another thing. I, I think I'm finally going to break down and get my... Every cycle, I, I get something that's not Nintendo system. <clears throat> yeah. But not both, because you really don't need yes. both of the no. Sony or Microsoft offerings. No, you don't. Uh, I'm just trying to decide between PS4 and Xbox One. If people in the chat have suggestions, go for it. I'm going to wait till after E3 and see if there's anything more that uh, really drives me one way or the other. But I'm, I'm ready to... I think I'm ready might maybe to see what... what, what to plunk down some change and see which what's more interesting. So that could be a, a whole other episode there, helping Rue decide which uh, system to buy. Actually, we yeah, generation. that's a good point. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, have you seen the Fallout Four trailer? I have not seen it yet. I, it was all a buzz today, but yeah. I, I didn't have time to, to to take a look. So is it uh, quality? Oh yeah, I mean it's a teaser trailer. It's it's more of a setting up the world kind of. thing. I figured that's kind of why I didn't watch it because I hate teasers. Yeah. They show you really nothing at all. Yeah, um, I, it, it, it's it's good. It's some good, you know, hype bait. But uh, yes. Anyway, like I said, I, I expect we'll see more at E3 or hear yeah. more about it at least. Um, what else you got for news? So for news on my side, there's uh, Google I/O happened, and um, you know, as as the you that follow the program realize that uh, both of us happen to be Android folks. So mm-hmm. we watch Google I.O. I am an Android. Um, we're not, we, we don't really pay much attention to Apple's WWDC. Fully functional. We're more interested in Google I.O. In multiple techniques. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, those techniques are going to get deeper and more interesting. Whoa. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. Deeper? Uh, deeper. Wow. I said it. I said it. Um, <laughs> I didn't know it was possible, but, but apparently it is. Uh, are we talking about the same thing? I don't think so. So Android M. Um, so interestingly, my phone and I, I have—I don't have an old phone. I have a, a Galaxy Note Four. That's um, old crap. Yeah, exactly. Well, now there's the Note Five apparently coming out in a couple months. That's the one I got my eye on. I still have a Note Two. Yeah. So, so. I'm telling you, the Note Four is pretty sweet. Anyway, um, now welcome. I hate the rear speaker. The rear welcome to Phonecast. Phonecast. Android. It just got Android Lollipop, which was Android L. Mm-hmm. Just got it. And uh, now we're already talking about Android M. It looks to me, though, like this is not a complete refresh of the system. It looks more like a tightening of the experience. Or as Nash uh, would say, who's in the chat, it's an update. Android Milkshake. Yeah. yeah it, see, there you go. I was hoping milkshake. for Android Macadamia. Macadamia Nut Cookie. Right. But whatever. I think that's a great idea. They had Gingerbread Cookie. Why not Macadamia Nut Cookie? You Who? could literally go through the entire alphabet with just different variations of cookies, right? Who hates cookies? Nobody. Yeah. No one hates cookies. Regardless. I'm, I mean, um, I, like I said, I'm still on, uh, you know, the Note 2 and uh, I don't know what version. 2.4, 2.3? 3.0. No, 3. 3. Point, yeah. You, you not 4. Yeah. Not 5? Yeah. Not so you are you are on gingerbread then. What the yeah. hell am I on? I'm on something older. But anyway, I'm ready for something yeah. newer. So. Yeah. So um, Lollipop is fantastic. So it's all new to me. Lollipop is really, really good. I've heard lots of um, good things. Android M, I think, is, is going to do some, some cool stuff, including, um, you know, uh, app permissions. So, you know, uh, the, the ability for, speci- for you to cater specific permissions to specific apps, which I think is a really cool thing. Right now, if you know, if you, you download an app and you, you get a splash page that says, hey, this app can do all kinds of stuff. Are you okay with that? And you say yes. As soon as you say yes, that app forever and ever and on can do whatever it wants to do. Unless you download another app that could potentially stop it from doing that stuff. You follow me? Sure. You with me so far? Okay. I, I guess. 
this idea about app permissions is that it shouldn't just necessarily be about accepting it the first time and then saying you're good forever, but instead it should be about if you want to, Android should tell you when an app is trying to do something that you don't necessarily think it should normally do. Like check your contacts or uh, you know, scan your text messages. These are the kinds of things that you will be able to allow or disallow for app permissions. I think that's great. Oh, yeah. Actually, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's um, a good idea. A little bit more granularity on your permission decisions. Yes, and you won't get any of those really cheap, crazy Chinese apps that you just happen to download or that come with the stupid bloatware of your phone. I love those. That end up scanning you know, half of your stuff and sending it back to servers in China. I love helping out uh, uh, glorious the, the, Red Army. The glory, yeah, the, the glorious people of China. Yes. Um, so uh, there's a lot of other features, including the relaunch of, An of Android Pay, some of these other things I was going to talk about. But one of the uh, uh, two things I was, I was going to highlight is that Google now is going to get even more pervasive. This was the deeper part I was going to talk about. So it's going to become Google later. Yeah, Google now and later. Whoa. Yep, now and later. So Google now has really been restricted to a lot of the things that you share with Google because of the native Google apps. That makes a lot of sense, right? Um, well, now Google now will be able to not only tap into certain apps that, that are open in terms of opening its API to them, but also... You can actually allow Google now to scan whatever you're looking at on your screen at that particular moment because you're, you realize it's something you're interested in and would like to know more about. So let's say you are scanning. It's kind of a copy and paste for Google now, except it's automatic. So let's hmm. say you're reading an article about a particular topic and you happen to be really interested in this particular topic. You can hit a, you can, I think you actually hold the, uh, the button. I'm not sure what you do if you have a buttonless phone. Anyway. Um, you hold the button and Google will actually scan the screen and it will now put results related to that in Google now, which is pretty cool. Unrelated to what you were just saying, I do have to say I like how Android is keeping the one physical button in their yeah. designs. I do too. I mean, I, I thought I would not like that when I, before I bought Samsung. I like that. I like that button. It's um, helpful. It, it kind of makes the power button less important, which is good. Because I, I, well, yeah. I, I'm, I'm so used to like picking up the phone, and it seems stupid in first world problems. But I, I like the I like the physical button. Um, Steam has changed their refund policy. Did you read about ah. that? Did you, did you see this, Paul? Did you see this? Did you see, did you see this? <laughs> you, know, you know how hot it is outside. Uh, anyway, go ahead. R.I.P. David Letterman. Um, yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> I'm not dead. So. Yes, you are. No, they've uh, changed the refund policy. So uh, you can, this is a quote from it, you can request a refund for nearly any purchase on Steam for any reason. Mm. A new try and a play and try system, basically. Um, uh, there's some limitations. You have to ask for a refund uh, through their help service uh, within two weeks of purchasing the game. Nice. And you have to have played it for less than two hours. So, so it's not like a, Okay, I played this game and I finished it, ready to send it back, get my money back. But it's it's nice that if you, you know, maybe you get hyped up for a game and you're like, oh man, uh, SimCity 4 is going to be great. I'm going to, yeah. or not SimCity 4, that was a good one. SimCity 5, <laughs> or whatever they call go. it. <clears throat> whatever. Yeah. Although that's Origin. Shut up. Uh, new game, 18, uh, sounds like it's going to be great. I'm going to plunk down 60 bucks for it. 
I played I play an hour of it. I'm like, this is unmitigated garbage. I'm gonna yeah. get my sixty bucks back from Steam. Yeah, uh, you know, no questions asked. That's fine. Which is pretty awesome. That that, that is, is pretty awesome. That is I, I when Steam first came out, I really doubted the utility. Yeah. Uh and because you were a doubter. I, I'm always a doubter. You should know that from me. It's true. Um that's, that's not true. I'm pretty easy to please. But uh, no, seriously, it's the the ease of use uh, is something that has really endeared Steam to the masses. Uh, and the, uh, yeah, this can only endear them even more if that's yeah. possible. Uh, well, something something important to know is that uh, they they do note that they do not want people to uh, abuse the system, and they will they will prevent that. But they do not see getting a refund for, like if you bought a game and a week later it's on sale you can return that game and buy it at the cheaper price they don't consider that an abuse so it's yeah. it's like a you know it's like the uh price like an insurance policy yeah, it's like the Too price guarantee policy. yeah and stuff like that so I, I like it i think it's a great idea because you know so i was a very early adopter of steam because i played counter-strike a lot and you mm-hmm. kind of had to move to the new platform if you wanted to continue to play counter-strike for a while there so it was it was really annoying at the beginning. Um, it, it, I didn't see the utility either. I didn't understand what was going on. But now it's it's great. I, I think Steam is an awesome community. I think it's fantastic. It, yeah. It's, you know, it's it's done a lot of a lot of great things for gaming. But one of the things it's, it's shown us is that digital distribution can work and can work really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, this to me seems like a logical extension of what a good digital distribution system should be, yeah, it, which is, it, yeah. you know, you don't have to buy a disc and bring it home and take the packaging out and now send it back. Oh, crap, I don't want this. I'm going to send it back to the store. Now they know you probably copied the disc and you did all this other that, that stuff goes away with digital distribution. So why not give people a window <clears throat> to play a game and see if they actually like it or if there's something horribly broken with it and send it back, which, you know, Especially people that, that pre-order stuff, which I've never understood. Um, <laughs> uh, I do a lot less than I used to, almost nil. Uh, yeah. I will. So, two good points in the chat. There's Sage Owl saying that uh, Steam's good, but DRM is DRM, which mm-hmm. is true. That's one knock against Steam uh, and good old games, GOG.com, <clears throat> which prides himself on not only bringing games, old games, and making them be able to run on your computer. We were just talking the, about the X-Wing. best thing ever. We yep. were, yeah, we were just talking about X-Wing before the podcast started. And TIE mm-hmm. Fighter. Uh, but it's also, they pride themselves on being DRM-free. So because of stuff like that, GOG has become not not a juggernaut, but something of a competitor to Steam. And they're doing pretty darn well for themselves. They have their own summer sale going on right now, you know, which has always been the uh, hallmark of Steam, their summer sales. But yep. um, and, then, like and then Nash also said he loves this because uh, this is something that will hurt not only GameStop... But also uh, the, what did he say? The uh, early release or, or pre-sale, pre-order pre, uh, pre scammers, basically. Like these, these yeah. people who, uh, I can't remember the game that got in the biggest trouble for this recently. But basically, hmm. like they embargo reviews for their big new blockbuster game because they know it's not going to do very well. And then, you know, until after, you know, the game actually goes on sale. And right. people have already, like I just said, they plunked down their 60 bucks for it. And they're like, well, I'm screwed. And that's how I felt with SimCity. I, I yep. think I've played that the new SimCity game maybe five hours. 
and yep. I got it new. You know, that that's yep. the last time I ever brand pre- spanking new. Last time I ever pre-order anything from EA. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, that that's that that can be nothing but good for the consumer. So yeah, no, I agree. That's good. Uh, did you have any more news before we move on? Um, <coughs> no, I, I, you know, I, I, there were a lot of interesting things that happened in the virtual reality space since we last spoke in terms of uh, it's a fad. some partnerships forged. But I, I feel the same way. So even when Google came out with their new version of Cardboard and some of these other things that I think could be really cool, I just kind of went, eh, meh. So yeah, yeah, no, we'll, we'll I'm, see. I'm, we'll see. I'll, I'll mention it, but that, that's all I'm going to do. We'll move on. <laughs> you mentioned it. Your contractual obligation yeah. is done. Right. Uh, this, this this episode of the Echo Screen Live brought to you by Google Cardboard. <laughs> uh, I have one other quick thing to say. Yes. Game of Thrones. Ooh. Did, so. Do you like that? So so the episode that just released or, or just released that just pre-release uh, that just aired uh, episode eight of season five. Uh, Hard Home is currently rated 9.9 on IMDb with 20,000 ratings. It is currently the highest rated episode of the series. It's pretty damn good. It's a top to bottom, very entertaining episode. Uh, I agree. Interestingly to me, there are like two small scenes from the show that were taken from the books. The rest is pretty much... Uh, beyond a dance with dragon, it, it's it's yeah, it, or or it's a complete deviation. So, yeah, or it's a complete <clears throat> so, so when people uh, we discussed this before on a whole on a whole episode, the book is better. Uh, well, not sorry, that was the name of the episode. I'm not saying the the book necessarily is better. right. I was about to say, <laughs> wow. why would you? Even, you said that totally wrong. <clears throat> no, but I mean, not everyone, but damn, Game of Thrones book readers can be some of the worst people. Um, in the yes. world, uh, just yes. because they are uh, so nitpicky on everything, and any time they, they like almost any, they hate almost anything that is deviated from the books. I think this last episode really did a lot to prove that um, the creative team behind the TV show mm-hmm. can do very well with, oh, with their own original content in this universe. So I'm very I, excited to see that. This is this is the this is the great. One of the greatest elements of the television renaissance, it's that really, really creative people are flocking to television. Mm-hmm. So, you know, rewrite George Martin's classic series? Sure, no problem. The, the fact of the matter is, all joking aside, you said this before, certain elements of the books are, are very difficult to capture on screen, especially in a, in a television show format, right, where... You only have a couple episodes per season where you get to kind of sort out all the story, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of continue the arcs. Um, you know, George Martin doesn't have to worry about that. He's writing a, a consistent arc and he's, he's got a lot of different stories happening in between. But it doesn't necessarily have to follow what we would normally think of as a television kind of format. Yeah, it's very different. It's very different. So I think these guys are doing a great job because I know that they're doing some combining. I know that they're doing some, you know, there might be three characters in the book that they're kind of like chopping off little pieces of and combining them into one person. You know, some people die that haven't, you know, um, that, uh, you know, haven't died in the books or vice versa. Um, but, you know, for, for my money, I think they're doing a great job. Mm-hmm at uh, making what otherwise would be very, very difficult books to, you know, film in any kind of way 
and breaking it down into something that I think is yeah. is, is very easily viewable. On Especially books four and five, which you were also discussing about how you are considering completely bailing on it. I'm considering point. bailing on it. And I told you're a loser. Well, I told you that I wasn't very fond of the, the, the books anyway, that I was really kind of reading the books to fill in the gaps or, you know, what, what you don't see on the show. Mm-hmm. I still like doing that, um, which is why I'm still reading the books. And I'm about a quarter, I'm about a third of the way through <laughs> A Feast for Crows because mm-hmm. I, I have all this great energy of getting in bed and pulling out the tablet and reading a couple pages and that's really all I get to before I can't keep my eyes open. So it's like five pages at a time, George Martin style. So I have about, mm, you know, what, 2,000 pages to go before I'm done with the series? Yeah, roughly. This point. Roughly. So, um, so anyway, it's, it's going to take a while. I'll, I'll be 80 by the time I'm done. Anyway, uh, so the, the, um, the, the books are in that crucial point where there's so it's such a deviation from the show and there's a lot of stuff that that quite frankly isn't the greatest material of what i already think is kind of a weak material it's so dense source you know it's like well no i mean like i don't give a crap about daenerys trying to learn how to rule people i really don't care and i think to a large to a large extent that's difficult to you know house of cards you've talked about on this program yeah great political drama Game of Thrones is not a great political drama, right? It's not a great. Pl- I don't yeah. care. You know, I do not care. Like, I like it when Daenerys is taking over cities. I don't need to see her learning to be a good ruler. Or otherwise, A Song of Ice and Fire. Food, 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 murder, food, food, porn, murder, food, battle. Exactly. Food, porn, food. This is, this is so true. Now, listen. I have another friend so- who really hates the right. He loves the show. This is, this is Mike, you know, you know. Yes. He says yeah. he loves the show, but he started reading A Game of Thrones and he just hated the writing so much. No, he, it is. It's, it's, it's terrible. I would, no, no, no. I would not say it's terrible. It's not the best writing I've ever read. But, of course. But this it, is not, it can get bogged down. It, it gets bogged I, down, but, but what's I, worse? I will say overall it is worth it. And you certainly have nothing better to do with your free time. So you might yes. as well read the books. Exactly. Um, I didn't or at say least I get the audio books. Stop. I said I was considering stopping because I'm okay. just getting okay. bored with the series. Okay. There's a lot of cool stuff that this, that's being filled in. You know, oh, look, Brienne. Oh, she goes to this place. And there's this person. And oh, that person knows this person. I'll, and this person knows I'll that person. I'll also say. And I go, dancing. holy God, just stab me in the knife in the face with a <laughs> Stab me knife. in the knife. Stab I'll, me in the knife. I'll also say Dance of Dragons, I think, is better than Feast for Crows. But anyway, yeah. we, we've, we've deviated a bit too much. We, yep. We've we've gone a little too far. Um, Stab me in the eye with a rusty knife. Before we move on from the tits and bits, Halt and Catch Fire has started back up on AMC season two. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Which which I haven't. I, it's on my DVR right now. I haven't I either, but it. but everyone should watch it. Um, it's amazing it because has a season two. Yeah, because season two looks like it's particularly going to be of interest to our specific viewing public community. All right, All right. let's let's get done with this whole news and notes things because you and I both know. Everybody is here today to talk about the Silk Road. Are they? No, absolutely not. Okay. In fact, they're probably shocked and appalled that we're going to do a what? topical what? program tonight. More rambling. Uh, they probably also think that we're going to you know, get overtly political on them and all these other kinds of things that we generally don't do. Uh, we're not going to do that tonight. However, we are going to talk about something that we oh. think is particularly topical, which is uh, the drama of the Silk Road. Now, as you said before, <clears throat> yeah, 
your 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 brilliant and I, I don't I don't use that word often, so I want you to know what a compliment that is. Your brilliant concept of the Silk Road to Hell Thank is you. what we're talking about, right? So the idea of so why don't you explain that 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 topic or that idea? The idea. Well, I mean, it's based off the Road to Hell's paved with good intentions. Uh, I okay. Let me explain it after. I, I think you should give us a little bit a, a, a quick quick. Okay. No, quick. More, no more than two minute background on what Silk Road is because I have the feeling this is something a lot of people don't know about. Sure. Okay. So I'll time you. Go. Ready? Go. All right. So a geeky Eagle Scout <clears throat> overachiever basically decides that he wants to change the world and start what is kind of a libertarian utopia online. Yes. That is a marketplace that can be used completely and totally anonymously to do whatever you want to do. As long as you want to exchange goods and services for money, they will allow you to do it. It, it deals exclusively with Bitcoin, and it deals exclusively with a protocol over the network called TOR, TOR, the onion router, which mm -hmm. basically would can completely make you anonymous. The dark internet. It un becomes... Un unsearchable right, by Google. Un unindexable by Google, right? So it is in the dark web. That goes without saying. <laughs> However, this is not meant to... to, to, to you know, kind of cater to a specific audience. It's meant to be a completely open place to deal anonymously on the internet. However, within a few years, what becomes very clear is that this becomes a haven for people that want to buy illicit drugs all over the world. It becomes kind of a Craigslist for drugs, where people can buy drugs from all over the world, and like 99% of all their transactions were drugs. Or an eBay for drugs, or an Alibaba for drugs, or an Amazon this, for drugs. This particular whatever. person who created it um, became very, very well known, even though no one knew who he was. He went he became famous. He went by the pseudonym. He went by the pseudonym Dread Pirate Roberts, which was from The Princess Bride. Um, the site eventually attracted an incredible amount of attention because it was all about drugs, or at least, you know, seemed to be so. So the government, the American, United States government, became particularly enamored with the idea of taking this person down. They eventually found. Uh, and arrested several people involved, including who they believe to be the Dread Pirate Roberts, otherwise known as Ross Ulricht, who is um, who actually was sentenced last week, two weeks ago, last week, <laughs> to uh, life in prison without the possibility of parole. Uh, actually, you? I th yes, uh, perfect. Two minutes exactly. Uh, actually, I think he got two life sentences. To be, ser to be served True. consecutively. That, so, that is <clears throat> so he was taken down pretty hard. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Silk Road... Yes, Silk Road was taken down, uh, closed by the government. Silk Road 2 popped up, 2.0 I should say, uh, has also since, by someone else, launched by someone else, has since also been taken down. And now there's a Silk Road 3, which is apparently still open. So... Yeah, this so brings up a lot of stuff. All. So, okay, the, the, the Silk Road to Hell is paved with good intentions. This guy, Ulrich... Uh, Skeeter von Ulricht von Lichtenstein. Uh, you're, you're slandering the good name of <laughs> Skeeter von Ulricht von Lichtenstein. Uh, anyway, um, he, um, he, hardcore libertarian. If you look at his, there's a, there, there was a great Wired article you pointed me toward today that I've only read most of at this point because it's, it's a long, long article. It's longer than a George Martin book. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, and the part where he's wandering around the Riverlands and just like talking to random. Uh, peasants. Anyway, um, 
peasants. <laughs> what was I talking about? Okay, yeah, this guy was the a yep. yeah. So he, he's a hardcore libertarian who basically dropped out. Of, he didn't. He kind of he kind of dropped out of school essentially in order to kind of become a serial entrepreneur and things like that. And he hated the idea of government taking taxes, et cetera, et cetera. He wanted to open Silk Road uh, as a way for people to be able to trade, buy and sell goods without government interference uh and he he, he completely an, uh, anonymously uh that was his theory and so it, it really does work like ebay someone yeah. puts something up uh someone else buys it the money gets, gets put into um uh escrow until yes. the package arrives then the money is delivered both people are happy uh the only difference is that uh, there's a Bitcoin in the middle there. You'd never pay someone with American dollars or, or a credit card transaction or something, anything, you know, cause Bitcoin is anonymous. The only issue there though, is that this is not, it's important point to point out is that like eBay, eBay becomes a part of that transaction at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So because they hold money, they don't just connect two people together to go make their own transaction, like a Craigslist, for example, where, you know, Basically, Craigslist just connects people that want to sell to people that want to buy, and then it gets out of the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Silk Road was not that. It actually held those funds in escrow and then transferred them once there was a successful completion of a transaction. Therefore, they became part of that transaction, which ended up being part of their downfall. Exactly. And that's being pointed out right now in the chat by Adam820 is that the thing with Tor is that it becomes non-anonymous at the exit node. If it's yes. compromised, and that that's part yes. that's part of this downfall thing, uh, right. the anonymity was compromised, and uh, you know it's it's kind of nice depending on who you are. I think most people would agree it's kind of nice to have the idea of uh, you know free trade flowing through, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing is, the buying and selling of drugs, you know, we that that's a political argument really about whether or not people should be allowed to buy and sell drugs like that. But also, things were sold. Even if you're okay with drugs being bought and sold uh, between consenting adults, there were other shady activities being bought and sold here. Uh, I believe there were some uh, murder. Mur- there were some murders tied up potentially. I did leave that out. So one of the one of the key. <laughs> I things left that, that little bit out. Well, because that's that wasn't what he was charged with. They were convicted. True. True. So, um, although well, hold, well, those, well, those charges are actually being right, they're they're separate litigation that is pending currently in the Baltimore <clears> districts. <throat> Um, so, uh, so, so my, my, my point though, is yeah. that even if, uh, even if, uh, you agree with the idea of just a drug selling marketplace is fine and a libertarian yes. utopia is exciting, uh, yes. eventually this became something worse and, and became his, his da- own downfall. So the jail, the, the, the road to federal prison <laughs> is, is paved, paved with, with Silk Road. Right. Yes. Um, so I should also th- th- I thought that was a clever title. I think the also the, the, the concept here, just so you guys know of, of kind of how the transition from idealist to ideologue became complete was that the government actually caught the Dread Pirate Roberts um, very coldly. I might add, you can go read all about it uh, in several different places, ordering the murder of people that were not politically expedient to his cause or were threatening to blackmail. Um, him and reveal his identity to the world so so uh you know murder for hire not exactly the best way to make friends not the best intention yes uh so so what are what are the topics we want to deal with talking about silk road i mean yeah it's so it continues in some form or another yeah so let's talk about a couple things um first of all a lot of people have been bringing up the idea of anonymity 
on the internet. Why don't we do, let's tackle that first. So part of the the idea of the Silk Road was mm -hmm. that it would it would be anonymous in as much as um, you could go and buy and sell things online and be anonymous. Not necessarily that you would be completely anonymous, but that you would really assume another identity that would take the place of your anonymity. Sure. Um, which is where the concept of the Dread Pirate Roberts comes from, because the Dread Pirate Roberts is not actually a person. It's not Carrie Elwes in the, uh, you actually watched the, uh, the Princess Bride movie. Of course not. He's but Robin Hood. He's actually a, a, another Dread Pirate Roberts. There have been at least one Dread Pirate Roberts before him. And there will probably be Dread Pirate Roberts after him. So it's kind of the man that's not a man. He's actually many people. That's the concept. So um, several people have mentioned the fact that Bitcoin is not anonymous. Correct. Bitcoin was chosen not because it was an anonymous vehicle, but because it was not tied to any specific country's currency. It is specifically tied to the market. It's the marketplace itself. So it is a cryptographic currency that is, that is not tied to the... Um, uh, faith in a particular government all around the world. That's why Bitcoin was chosen. But the anonymity is a good piece here. It's a good idea here. So do you think it is 2015, or midway through almost, do you think you can still be anonymous today on the internet? So uh, who, Techie, Techie was just talking about this. Is that Tor, for example, you can be you can be highly anonymous. I don't think complete anonymity is something you can really sustain. Uh, <clears throat> but then again, there's things like the perfect crime you'd never hear about because it's the perfect crime and the person got away with it. Yes. But overall, if there are enough resources put out to try and find your identity, mm -hmm. I do believe that someone could find your identity, especially with the government, the U.S. government in particular. Uh, with revel revelations from Edward Snowden, uh, they basically kind of trawling, tro trawling, trawling, trawling the internet, <laughs> gathering, trawling. Yeah, I guess either work, but yeah, gathering a lot of data on people, and they can, you know, Tor itself might be uh, anonymous mm -hmm. in 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 general, but the thing is, is that uh. If uh, if smart people can put together a habit or a pattern of what mm -hmm. you do with your, you know, with your history, your browsing history or your actions, they can probably put two and two together and eventually find you. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I would say unless you're doing something once <laughs> and and you, uh, you know, take every precaution possible, you know, I, I don't I, I don't think it's possible to be can continually anonymous in today's yeah. internet. I think the wild west of the internet in a lot of ways is coming to an end. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of validity to that. I, I agree with some of those those points. Sure, I think the wild wild west era is definitely coming to an end on the internet. Um, there's no question about that. However, we're talking about a dark web phenomenon here. And the dark web is really in its infancy in many ways, even though the dark web existed before in, in some ways, the Internet was really a thing that all of us know and came to know and love as the Internet. Um, you know, the I have to say that there are definitely places where anonymity is more prevalent than otherwise. Um, if you ever think that you are logged into Google and you search for something, 
that will not be indexable by anybody else for the rest of eternity, as long <laughs> as that that data is 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 resident somewhere that elect, those electrons are spinning somewhere, um, you're out of your mind, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll actually be sitting there and someone will say, "Hey, why don't you go Google this?" And I go, "I'm not Googling that because there's no way in hell I'm tying that to my Google, right? My Google account." So it's a small thing, right? But that's because I've accepted. Anyways, kind of built on. It's impossible now, right? So I'm, I'm not going to go search for something that's disgusting or, or otherwise, you know, could be attributed to my, you know, like somebody was asking me, hey, what's what's the, you know, now that the uh, the, the Boston bomber has been uh, convicted, what is the what is the actual uh, you know punishment for for terrorism or treason? Well, I'm not going to go out there and like, what is the punishment for terrorism and treason? <laughs> that's a terrible thing to go Google, right? Yeah, um, the, the well, government's probably already looking at you if you if you go and and, and type that. So um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah and, and the thing is, is that even if you even if you take a lot of precautions, the government for a long time has been. Uh, so, for example, the Freedom Act just passed. Cer certain provisions of the Patriot Act lapsed a few days ago. Yeah. Uh, so this is also very timely, and uh, a a new bill to mostly restore those provisions called the Freedom Act, love these uh, very imaginative names, right. but was, was eventually passed against the uh, will of people like probably most famously Rand Paul in, in, uh, in the Senate. Filibuster. Uh, he he yes. filibustered for a little bit there, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, un he, there, there are enough people to vote for it to break the filibuster. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, unfortunately, fortunately, depending on how you look at it. The point is, is that uh, what did happen is that the NSA... Can now can now not bulk collect Americans' metadata uh, yes. or phone calls, meaning they can't just like I was saying trawl or troll. I still don't know what the word is. Uh, all the information that they want and then sort through it later. Like, hmm, hey, Frank over here uh, is is doing something. You know, let, let's find out some more information about him. Do we have his phone records from two thousand five? Yeah, we got it right here. Blah 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 because we already grabbed it. You know, right. now they need to go to a FISA court. They need to get a, a particular. They have to. They have to prove a reason for it. They can't just willy nilly, in theory, collect everyone's data. They can still do it, but they can still gather the data. But they have to go through a, a court and a, right. a judge. So, it's a small step. Uh, a lot of privacy advocates are not fully pleased, but it's it's something. Yes. Um, my question to you is: Do you think that uh, the genie's out of the bottle, and that there's really no way any true anonymity can be? regained or, or 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 especially in today's world and going forward into the near future in the next 5 10 15 years do you think that the backlash felt by things like the Edward Snowden revelations will actually result in government action particularly in the US because that's what we know about most and frankly it's the most powerful country on the planet especially when it comes to this technology cuz the US kind of <clears throat> built and invented the internet a yes. little bit uh, yeah. Do you feel that there this there will be a backlash enough that the government will continue to roll back some of the wide-reaching uh, privacy? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, help me out. Uh, are you are you looking for <laughs> regulation or? Yeah, there, there will be uh, way, there will be efforts by the government to roll back the. Uh, the reaches of privacy. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. On, on, okay. on a, it's, the you know, limitations across of, all of, citizens. Right. So 
you know, here I'll say this. My my question to to the first part, or my answer to the first part of your question, is more is a little more philosophical, right? Because I believe inherently that if a system can be created by a human being, it can be unmade by a human being. Okay. Mm-hmm. This means that no matter what kind of encryption, no matter what kind of protocols, no matter how many layers one puts uh, in terms of being able to protect their anonymity through security, no matter how many means get employed there, if, if a human can make it, a human can unmake it. Um, if you you will eventually get to the end of the article I sent you, but when they finally <laughs> actually caught the Dread Pirate Roberts, he was in a public library, and they took great care to make sure that they that they actually caught him with his hands on the keys, but that they also uh, could take the laptop away from him before he could close the laptop, because many of these folks actually, if they close the laptop, it actually encrypts the laptop, um, and then everything is completely lost to them unless they can have a key from the person that's being talked to. So, um, you know, that right there is not, has nothing to do with Tor. It has nothing to do with Bitcoin. It has nothing to do with the Silk Road. Mm -hmm. But it has to do with the physical pressing of keys by a human being in front of other human beings. Right? Mm -hmm. So, so that is something that is completely, we, you know, in some, in some ways, I actually deal with the security business, right? That's kind of what I do for a living in some ways. 80% of security has nothing to do with technology, it has to do with people and policy, right? 20% are the tools that you employ to be better with people and policy, okay? That's a scary thought. So I, I don't think anybody's truly ever going to be 100% anonymous because whatever can be made, whatever systems can be made by human beings can be unmade by human beings. That, that being said, that's the first part of your question. The second part of your question is, do you think we'll see a scaling back? I, I think the genie is, is out of the bottle. Yes, I think, I think there, there's no way that's going to, you know, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Um, it, it is, I think it is widely understood that there are people all over the world that could potentially have access to information that was never intended for them. And I don't think that's going to change. Okay. What I do think, though, is that there is a serious, serious backlash toward information security and toward that kind of behavior by governments. Um, there's a serious backlash to that. You know, this is kind of in many ways the response to like the Skynet and Terminator you know, look at any of those 80s or 90s, you know, sci-fi movies about how the government would know everything about you, so on and so forth. And then there's this kind of like, like the whole Neo complex in the Matrix, this kind of re- revolution against the system of knowing everything about somebody and being free, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's a clear revolution against that concept. So there'll be a scaling back. But my thought is, if they want to get a piece of information about you, they're going to eventually get that piece of information about you. And I would say that is the case. Like I was just, I was just saying the same kind of thing is that I, I think that is the case now. Now, having said that there's lots of, um, or at least there's several theoretical technologies that may change the game a bit, mm-hmm. mostly involved involving quantum. Right. Technology. I was about to say, if, the, if the um, NSA has a quantum computer right now and just hasn't, they don't haven't told anybody <laughs> because 
theoretically none none of them has ever been built. Well, but if the yeah. NSA has a quantum computer, then there is no amount of decryption in the world that will stop them from knowing what they want to know. Generally, but I mean, the, the from what we understand physically about things like quant, like for example, I was actually having this conversation with someone while while in a cabin in the mountains over uh, uh, Memorial Day weekend. So this is the kind of stuff I guess I talk about on my vacation. Mm-hmm. But we were discussing um, quantum entanglement, which is mm-hmm. uh, the idea if you have uh, basically two particles uh, or two quanta, I guess, that are entangled with each other. Uh, not going to go into exactly how that's made, but the, the purpose of it being that if you change the spin uh, or momentum or whatever of one, the other will change with it uh, yes. faster than the speed of light anywhere in the universe without any sort of communication between the two that is observable or known to be observable. Now, think about that. You could basically have a theoretically unbreakable way to transmit data Mm -hmm. or at least codes. So, like, Mm -hmm. for example, if you and I had one of these particles or or, or a a quantumly entangled device of some sort, I could send you an encrypted uh, or or some sort of uh, crazy encrypted message and I could give you the code via the quantum entangled device and you could be mm-hmm. like ah there you go and no one unless they were sitting there watching you uh would know which is again a person or policy issue right we would know how to break it so right. i think that there is possibility for technology to come up with nigh anonymous uh or at least at least uh, you know Un, un, uninterruptible or, or uninterceptible, right? Yes. Uh, the, so, the so, entire idea about encryption is that there is no man-in-the-middle capability. In yes. other words, somebody that is in the middle of two people communicating can get onto that stream and know what's so, going on. So I would say that the whole purpose of going through that is to say that theoretically, I think there is technology that could make anonymous communication or anonymity in general possible. The thing is, is that there's also probably we don't know what we don't know. Right. right. There, there might be ways to break that. We just have never thought of. But that's and that's the whole point. Right. Exactly. And I think that the only way you can get more privacy from today's day and age, the point of where we are right now is for there to be some some way to hold governments accountable. Uh, probably yes. most mo- like I said, most uh, importantly right now, the U.S. government, um, which the Freedom Act was a small part of that, a small step forward toward that. If if uh, if privacy is something you're uh, passionate about or care about, and I think more people are as time goes on, uh, that that's what you're going to have to do is is enact reform on the government level. And if you so this this will get this will tie us into um, you know Bill and Ted's excellent adventure here. So um, <laughs> I knew you was yeah. So I. There is uh, Alex Winter, who played otherwise known Bill. as Bill S. Preston Esquire, <laughs> from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, um, and Bogus Journey, by the way. Um, he actually is a filmmaker now, and made an, an incredibly good film back in 2012 called Downloaded, which you should all see, which is about the rise of Napster and the way that uh, the entire music industry had to change in order to adapt to what the challenges that Napster brought upon it, which is fantastic. Also just made a documentary that literally just came out in March called Deep Web, the untold story of Bitcoin and the Silk Road, um, which which got very good reviews as well. I happen to not like this movie as much because this happens to be, in my opinion, 
kind of a political statement movie more than just kind of telling the history of, of, of how this whole thing played out. But um, one, of the, one of the shortcomings here is that it really insinuates that there's a ton of doubt around the actual situation around the Dread Pirate Roberts himself, right? Um, and a lot of that, I think, was, was willfully just withheld rather than talking about the actual evidence that the federal government had. Um, this was one of those federal cases where there were... Now, you can say that, that the Dread Pirate Roberts, Ross Ulbricht, Ulbricht, did not get a fair trial. Von Lichtenstein. You can absolutely say that, and I think you'd be absolutely right. I, I, I think he will... I think at the very least, he's going to have some kind of um, appeal granted at some level, because I think the judge made some very hasty decisions in this case that hurt their ability to even be able to tell the story they wanted to tell. How, however ridiculous their story was going to be, they really didn't get an opportunity to tell the story they wanted to tell. Um, so I think they'll get an appeal. My point is the, the evidence was overwhelming and was damning and was not illegally obtained, as many people were talking about. The, the documentary kind of spouted that as, it was, as if it was fact. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can take a look at that and see, but, but here's my point. This documentary is weak in many ways, which is that I think there's also another element to this, which is it feeds into something that we like to call confirmation bias. Uh-huh. We're skating a thin line, in other words. So there are those of us that are obviously scared of the idea that someone's watching over our information transmission right now, this very second. They're seeing everything that we're doing. Okay. But there's also an element here of walking a thin line on the other side of that thin line, I guess I should say, which is that, um, you know, everyone's always watching us and we should all be paranoid. And, uh, you know, in other words, we're all Rockwell wandering around in our apartments in the 80s. Yeah. And we all need to. And we need to wear, yeah, somebody's watching me. And we need to wear our, our tinfoil hats, uh, you know, uh, so that they can't, you know, read waves directly from our brain. Um, it, it, in other words, there is this, there's this concept of if, if you just, and, and I think the movie propagates this, which is why I'm, I'm actually not very happy with the film, is the idea that if you just kind of look at the rest of the world and say, oh, my God, everybody's watching us, then you're going to see that everywhere. Yeah. Rather than actually seeing it for what it is which is a, a kind of loose, I mean, the, the government can't get a lot of things right. And I can say that as a citizen of the United States government, there are a lot of things they cannot get right. You know, very, very simple, simple stuff. The one thing I know they can't do is coordinate this kind of crap, right? So, you know, I, and I always laugh about that. Like the same people say those two different things. The government's coordinating this vast conspiracy, and the government can't do anything correctly. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, they oh, yeah. can't replace a reflector on the highway. But they're, you know, they're responsible for the giant, most, you know, horrific conspiracies known to man. <clears throat> so, that, I think, is, is, is an element of this, of this whole concept that's important. You know, are we in the dystopian future? Is this the death knell for privacy? Mm-hmm. Or are we just kind of, you know, floating along in another realm of human events that has always been and will always be? And 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 I think perhaps a thing to end because and nearly end this discussion on because we're unsurprisingly over time. Oh yeah. Um, let, let's let's do a little devil or devil's advocate. What? Okay. 
I, I think that reasonable people can argue about whether or not people should be allowed to sell and buy drugs of all sorts to sure. each other. Uh, sure. Again, consenting adults. Um, right. However, I Which think... Which is, again, something very difficult to prove if you're anonymous. So yeah, that, that's... How a, you know that a 12-year-old wasn't just pretending well, to be an 18-year-old? And yeah, reg regardless, I mean, that's a political debate more than anything else, more than a privacy yes. debate. I think um, near universally, people would agree murder is bad and like okay. the selling of child sex slaves is bad okay. which is things that have also been uh, apparently been happening on silk road yes uh so with that taking that as a given isn't it a good thing that the government was able to spy on people find out what was going on and shut this down shut the service down and, and put the person who made it behind bars I think that illegally obtained evidence is is always a difficult thing to to defend. Do the ends um, not justify the means? Well, you know, I, I just I just I actually just watched True Detective, and it's very much about that same concept, right? But um, if you haven't seen it, you should see it. It's pretty good. Um, but you know, I I have a hard time agreeing with that concept. Okay, I think in this case, right. The reason that the Dread Pirate Roberts inevitably was caught and the reason that he eventually went to jail and why I think he will probably spend at least 20 years there, because I think at, at some point this is going to be a pretty trivial matter and they're going to be like, OK, we're totally beyond the, the thought process from before. You're, you're totally free. Don't worry about it, because I think that's going to happen. Um, I don't know when. It could be 50 years, but it's going to be something. I don't think he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. But the reason he's there now is not because he began this kind of idealistic world where people can can anonymously do business. It's because he was part of a lot of transactions that are very illegal in most, if not all, the countries of the world, number one. <laughs> and so he was part of that transaction. He wasn't connecting people that were innocently or 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 guiltily, whatever, doing terrible things he was actually in the middle of it he was a part of it right sure he was brokering these he's deals. a mediator correct i'm not gonna say he was a kingpin because he wasn't a kingpin but at the very least he was a mediator like you said and he allowed these these things to go down um secondly you know uh soliciting murder is never a good thing um thirdly you know it became very clear in in terms of monitoring this person's communication that he was very coldly doing this. It was, it was never a question of, gee, should I? It was still, look, I know everyone's doing all this illegal shit on my, on my network. I know I'm, I'm, I am facilitating, especially some of these high-profile people, to do what they do, and I don't care. Because I, I, know, I know it's illegal. I know I'm going to get caught. I know it's terrible. I know, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm doing it anyway. To me, that's, that's the problem, Right. If if this guy had done absolutely nothing, like he's not Edward Snowden, in other words, right, right, right. right. So because I, again, reasonable people can argue. And by the way, I don't really know where I come down on the whole Edward Snowden issue. To be honest, I'm I'm still kind of figuring it out. Well, like a lot of things but, in life, is that things aren't black and white. They're not black and white. There are reasons for governments to have secrets. Obviously. Absolutely, I agree with that 100. percent Some people disagree with that too, but I think I think you can logically argue either side. My point is, this sure. is not Edward Snowden, because Edward Snowden was basically saying, listen, I want to expose these secrets. I, th this is not me. I'm not doing this. I just, I just think people should know about this. And now I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I don't want to be held responsible. I just want people to know about it, right? Again, reasonable people can argue either side. 
he was not the person taking part in that. He was not facilitating that. He was not actually, you know, uh, the person that was propagating this anymore. He couldn't take it. He said, listen, I'm, I'm done with this. You can see it. I'm out. This is not that. This is a person that was basically brokering illegal activity knowingly and repetitively. And whether that illegal activity included just dealing drugs, just, you know, any of the other things we talked about, false identities or any of these other things you could buy on the Silk Road, right? He knew what he was doing. And to me, that's where the guilt really lies rather than the kind of idealistic underpinnings of what he was trying to do. Does that make sense? I think so. So I think you and I both agree to the fact that the reason why it's the Silk Road to Hell is that the idealistic intentions of it are pretty admirable in many ways. But the government doesn't agree. The government does not agree with that, uh, although and, I think they actually uh, will. But. Well, the thing is, is that uh, people have been saying in, in the comments, and you are also alluding to, I mean, things like Craigslist, Gmail, uh, Hotmail, people facilitate bad things on that all the time. Uh, yep. mur murders have been facilitated on Craigslist. Why yes. aren't those shut down by the government? The reason right. is because those aren't specifically trying to be anonymous. They are, they are uh, I would say, probably more than willing to work with the government. If the government comes up and says, hey, we found this thing about a murder, a guy trying to get a hitman on, on your site, Craigslist would probably be like, okay, cool, here's his IP address, blah, 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 blah. Whereas this Silk Road is something that is specifically trying to hide from the government, well, from all, all sort of primes. From everything. Everything. From everybody. All and, scrutiny. And so because of that, the government wants it down. Yes. Because they can't police it. Yes. So, anyway. And, and policing it, by the way, is a whole topic for a whole other conversation because how policing becomes pertinent. Because even in this case, um, the Silk Road server that, end, that ended up being compromised was actually in Iceland. So any uh, mm -hmm. of the American authorities, the FBI in this case, had to negotiate with the Icelandic government to get permission to even enter to get some of these uh, uh, pieces of information to get the uh, what, what ended up being a mirror of the main server. Um, so there's international law involved. How do you police that when international law is involved? It's very difficult. These are very difficult issues, folks, which is exactly why I wanted to pick it to talk about it, because, it, you know, we, we don't back around from the tough issues here at the Clan of the Grey Wolf. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes we do. Um, we didn't solve anything. We covered a lot. There's so much more. So many people have asked questions here that I absolutely would love to talk about. Yes. Um, uh, in, in terms of privacy, in terms of the best thing to do. Communities. The best thing to do is to look into it more. Like I was saying, I mean, I have the feeling this is something. Uh, the amount of people talking about Kendall Jenner or whatever, something Jenner, uh, the past few days versus Silk Road or or mm -hmm. or even the Patriot Act and Freedom Act is. I don't want to say disgusting. It's it's sad. Uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that people should pay uh, a lot of attention to and get to know more about. So mm -hmm. I think it's something that people should educate. Yeah, and I about. would, and I would also go check out on Wired.com the oh, untold yeah. story of uh, the Silk Road, which is phenomenal, I'll, I'll very post, comprehensive, I'm gonna post and that debunks a lot of the, the a chat. lot of the crap that arises out of the film. Um, if you do want to see that, yeah. but anyway, good good article by. Uh, uh, Joshua, Greenberg? Joshua, Joshua Greenberg. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I might be thinking about the wrong article. Then. I, I, I've read so many damn articles about the Silk Road now. Yes. Um, anyway, I became really interested in this because I think it's very interesting for all of us to be thinking about in 2015 because we all live so much on the Internet now. 
I live on it 24 hours I, a day. But that's the point, right? We just talked about Google now and how how uh, it's everywhere and it's pervasive. Um, we're, we're giving that information up and someone's looking at it potentially. So, you know, these are all things to be thinking about. Hey, did you hear about the FIFA thing, by the way? What, what's that? It's corrupt, apparently. You mean um, communist kickball? Yeah, communist kickball. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, all right, so you know, I cracked myself up. Anyway, the, the the technological elements by this, you know, about this. By the way, if any of you want to talk about that, maybe I'll hang out afterwards on the chat, and we can talk about all the technology elements here because a lot of the less that people have been saying are not exactly true, specifically about Tor and other other elements. But that'll be the after hour program. All right, so <laughs> Commodore After Dark. We will now move on to the third portion of the program. Thank you for the the true meaningful discussion about the Silk Road. Um, thank, thank you for bearing with us. We're going to talk about video games this week. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll, uh, we'll fill your face with E3 next week. So. Yeah. It'll all be capitalist, mindless capitalism next week. Woo! We talk about how people make money with, with crappy video games. Um, anyway. And maybe some good ones, too. Someone's bitter. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, look. Um, we're going to get into the question and answer portion of the program. I already have uh, a, a few questions. I'm not overwhelmed yet with questions. So, well, if people if want have, to ask questions, how if would people they do have that? questions, you just join us later, what have you. Um, all you have to do, if you're in, the, if you're following along with us in the chat, just click on my name, Commodore One Twenty Eight. Click on that. Send me a private message, and you're there. <laughs> or you can tweet at it's the Commodore. Got a couple questions there. In fact, some people were tweeting me before the show even started, which has apparently become a trend now. You want to get your question to the front of the line, tweet me at about 8 o'clock for the 9 o'clock beginning of the program. All right, so I'll take the best questions, or if I don't get enough questions, all of the questions, and we'll answer them on air, which is what we'll start doing right now. Okay. You are both university graduates, true? Nope. What are the, unless you found something out in the last, yeah, that I didn't know. Uh, you failed PE, and now they're taking your degree back. Before you ask the question, I want to let you know, I've actually been asked to return to my alma mater, our alma mater, and, and uh, talk uh, on, on graduates in my field uh, yes. in, in the private sector, because apparently there aren't yes. all that many. Yeah, and that's you, you told me about weird. this. Did, yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, are, are you going to tell finance. them that nothing you learned there was of of, uh, of worth to your current position? I was discussing this with people I work with today. I was going to say, perhaps the only thing I'll say is, just make just network. That's the yeah. most important thing you can do. Really, and actually, like get a degree. You like gonna, yeah, you know, get, like, a get a degree. I guess. And, like, yeah, need no people. Yeah, I, I was surprised to find out that most people uh, in my in my field uh, went into finance, and I said to myself, "Damn, I didn't know that was an option." Can I yeah, redo? You totally could have gone into finance. Damn. Yeah. Okay. You could do it again. Um, yeah, so, uh, sorry. So, so you are both university graduates. What are the modern challenges for today's college students besides loans? Of course, the modern challenges for today's students and and besides loans, because loans are the, the obvious and easy answer here. Here's what I'll tell you. Modern challenges are the diminishing returns of, in terms of the value of degrees, Number one. Number two, the university experience is almost elevated more than degrees today. Um, mm. and, and, you know, I buy that to a certain extent because it's important to have the experience of college. Well, it's, it's important to learn how to socialize with people in a, in a 
professional and non-professional setting? That being said, I think one of the challenges for students today is that it really is kind of, how do I want to say this? It, it, it's, it's kind of, <clears throat> there is, there is a, a fair amount of um, idolization of the debauched college life. And I think that's a challenge because if you, a lot of people get exposed to a lot of crap that, that screws them up for a long time when they live the debauched college life. We all laugh. We say, oh, you, you won't believe this crazy crap I did in college. True. But there's, you know, there's a lot of people now that are walking around with a ton of baggage that they, that they kind of found during that debauched time in college. And that's a tough thing to live around. I was thinking about this the other day. As a fraternity, as a person that was in a fraternity, okay? <laughs> I, I have kind of, and I can say this, I kind of see that, that fraternities now are pretty much outdated. They're kind of an archaic part of society in many ways. Well, they're rape factories. No, I'm not going to say that. But what I am <laughs> going to say is that, is that they, they certainly do, in many ways, they're, they're really about the old adage of buying people's friends. I, I kind of, although I never had to buy my friends, I, I do understand that, that concept because it really, other than networking, they seem to prove no purpose other than really. Well, you were, you were not in a standard fraternity. You were I mean, in, I was in a social fraternity, though. And trust me when I tell you. Yeah. There was a lot of the debauched life that was partaken. Sure. In fraternity. Um, I would say, <clears throat> I would say uh, in college, one of the challenges, a lot of kids are taught follow your dreams, do what you want, blah, 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 go to college, you know, it's what, do whatever, you know, you can always fall back on general college or something like that. I, I would say have a plan, have a serious plan. College is your time to gain a background that will be helpful in gaining a job uh, yes. or a career for the rest of your life. It is, it is, it is first and foremost, not something for you to have fun. It is something for you to learn a marketable skill. Right. Secondly, have fun because it is, yes. it is a lot of fun. It can be a lot of fun. Uh, I agree. But the thing is you need to learn a marketable scale. Even if you, even if your plan changes, that's fine. Have a plan, mm -hmm. you know, and, and try to have something that you can say, oh, okay, I, when I get out of college, I can do this with my, I mean, like I said, this is the, this is the reason I'm about to talk to uh, people who are currently uh, in my, in my major field to basically give them an idea of here's what, you can do here's what life is like outside of college if you're looking to go into the private sector for example uh in this field you know this 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 because college kids are not told that a lot no you're absolutely you know right. it, it, at least when i was in school and when we were in school there was a lot of that that wasn't really discussed a lot it was a more of you know do what do what you want um right. and then what you want is yeah. is is great in a decadent society where everybody just magically has a ton of money yeah um, you know, I, I, in terms of, you're absolutely right. I'll add to it to say this. One of the hurdles you have to overcome today in college life, in my opinion, is entitlement. Because colleges sell entitlement. In other words, if you go here and you get a degree from here, you're going to do X. <laughs> so when you leave college, you're not entitled to a damn thing. I don't care what the color of your piece of paper is. I don't care what name it says on it. You're not entitled to anything. Yes. So a lot of people leave college thinking they're entitled to make a certain amount of money or to have a certain title or to be able to have a certain, um, 
you know, arc to their career. That's ridiculous. Uh, so if you yeah. can overcome that and you don't mind, like you said, kind of taking things in, uh, you know, as they come and working uh, in steps, mm-hmm. then that's where success can, can come from. And I would also say that I don't have numbers to back this up, but I'm willing to bet that for most people, when you do get a job out of college, it will not have a lot to do with what you learned in college or your degree even. Yeah. Um, I technically I'm not doing a lot that, uh, 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 of what I learned in college in my daily work life. Mm-hmm. I would say most don't maybe if you're a petroleum engineer or a packaging engineer or something like sure. that. Sure. You probably, and you're more likely than not going to get a job that is pretty much exactly what you learned. But right. for the most part, you're going to learn what you need to do at your job when you start your job. Really? Yeah. So, so don't, uh, don't sweat it. You know, I agree. I agree. So, you That's know, long answer. It's a long answer, but it's a it's a good it's a good question. These are these are the kind of things we tackle here at the uh, the Echo Screen Live here at the Clan of the Gray Wolf. All right, um, awesome question though, Lupicillo. Thank you for that one. Let's see. Here's a really good one I like as well. Anton asks: Chiptune and sprite art were born from limitations. What other limitations have benefited gaming and other media? Wow, that is. Big question. Damn good question. I'll give you one. So films begin in many ways as just capturing action as if you were standing there watching it, right? Mm-hmm. Totally a limitation, right? Because once we got away from the idea of films have to be like watching a scene happen and we got into the idea that with montage, with framing, all these other kinds of things, that instead of just, you know, setting up a camera and going and acting something out, we could actually edit something or, you know, zoom in on somebody's face or have a different shot that conveyed a particular position or changed the way you see a scene. That that fundamentally changed what film was and it made it into it made it into the artistic medium that it is today. So the limitation before of the frame in many ways is what makes film, television, everything that's on a screen, um, basically what it is today. I, I in, in a similar manner, I would say the fact that movies are still shot at twenty four frames a second. Mm-hmm. Yep, there which you go. which is totally a leftover from when films were first made over a century ago. Very you know, true. I, I mean, you have people like. Um, <clears throat> God, not Stephen Wright. What the hell is his name? <laughs> Stephen Wright. Who's, who's, who's the guy who did the Lord of the Rings movies? Oh, uh, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. I wasn't even close. Um, you know, he he with the Hobbit movies, he tried to instill, all right, 60 frames a second. This is the next big thing. This is gonna be right. Or maybe it was 48. Regardless, right. he tried a higher frame rate and people hated it in general. Yeah. And he gave right. up. Uh, yeah. They're like, oh, it's, it's too realistic. It's too high. It's like hyper realistic and it's weird and everything moves at a strange rate and blah, 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 blah. So right. whatever. We're still at 24 frames per second because that's what we're used to. And you could argue that that adds to the feel of the motion picture. You know, the fact that it is, it is more of an art form because it is 24 frames per second, because it, it's not like you're seeing something right in your face. It's more of a, it's more of a piece of art than, than realistically seeing someone shoot someone in a chair or whatever. I don't know where that came from, but no, but it, but you know, that's, that's something, 
people put on screen. Sure. <clears throat> so there you go. Soap opera effect because, you know, TVs run at ha- higher frame rates. I like it. That's a good question. I like that one. Um, Dylan asks, this is a great one, too. It's June 3rd, 1999. Oh, God. What are you most Again. likely doing right now? We're not. It's summer. We're not. You're not filming a uh, a podcast. I'll tell you that right now. What's a podcast? Yeah, exactly. It's June 1999. Why 16 June years ago? 1999. So it's between junior and senior years. We're partying as if it were 1999. Ah, uh, very good. Because it was potentially at work at at Subway at 10 o'clock yeah i guess that could could be closing close up yeah you could close up right about now yeah Uh, on well okay maybe not on a wednesday it's a school night i have to think about that um i I don't think i ever worked that late which is good potentially watching star trek next generation probably playing a little golden eye maybe on a school night i don't know probably not though it was a school night did we do stuff on school nights i can't how do you know it's a school night did you look up june 3rd Oh, good question. I just assumed it was a Wednesday. Yeah. Hold so on. June Let's be accurate 3rd, about this. 1999. It was Hold Thursday. Please. So, it's yeah. Thursday. School night. Um, if you're trying to learn Spanish, then this day of the week is Huevis. <laughs> I'm not, so thanks. A person born um, on this day will be 16 years old today. If that same person saved a dime every day stay, starting at age five, then by now that person has accumulated $401.80. What the hell is this website? Yeah, that's really weird. You shouldn't you shouldn't see that anymore. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, so probably not. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'd probably be just uh, playing video games with my brothers. That's probably what I would be doing. Yeah. Um, if it's 1999, then, then in the house that we grew up in. Maybe it's June. Maybe we'd be in the pool. Oh, I forgot. It's not a school night. It's the middle of the summer, of course. Yeah, we'd probably be playing, uh, either playing... That's true. We would be out of school. Playing Goldeneye. Probably playing Goldeneye. When is Smash Brothers? Probably playing Goldeneye. Smash Brothers? I thought Smash Brothers probably was senior year. Am I wrong about that? Uh, Probably. Because we didn't we like rent it before we played it? No, you know what? It might have been Super Smash Bros. That came out in January of 99. Okay, so then, yes. We played the poop out of that thing. So I'm going to say Smash Brothers. Yeah. Um, maybe having a, a movie night because we actually had girlfriends at the time, crazily enough. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. That is interesting. Good times. Yeah. See? And you learn something new every day. All right. Let's see Dude, here. That was 16 years ago. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I like Retro Mike's answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, here we go. Mr. K, the good friend of the program, Mr. K, asks... Uh, have you two read Ernest Klein's Ready Player One? If so, what do you think? If not, why the hell not? Ernest Goes to Camp? I've read it. It's good, Vern. <laughs> no new Vern? Have you read it? I have not, I have not read it, although uh, the, your question of why the hell not is a legitimate one. Have I, I, dis- have I discussed this with you? I've discussed it with you. You've discussed it with me. I don't know if we've done it on the air. <clears throat> no. Uh, yeah, because I had two different people at work come up to me and say hey have you read ready player one you'd probably like it because i guess i'm the resident geek at work um with my doctor who mug and all that tardis mug um i don't know why they th- they would think that but anyway um uh, what was i gonna say yes i started to read it i think i've gotten roughly a fourth maybe 30 percent of the way through the book 
Okay. Uh, I, I I need to pick it back up. Uh, it starts out very. It's it's pretty good. The writing's not the best, but the story's kind of interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of. You mean like 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 a song of ice and fire? I think George R. R. Martin's a better writer. Um, the writing's not very good, but the story's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it. Uh, the yeah. story's not as interesting as Song of Ice and Fire, and the writing's not as good as Ice and Fire. But okay. other than that, um, it's still. I don't think you'd mind being compared to George Martin. That's fine. No, sure. I, it, it's 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 still good. Uh, the the author uh, obviously is a big fan of eighties geek culture because mm-hmm. he drops lots of. Um, references references like to the point where even i like i'm getting like okay calm down with the references i get it (laughs) you know right Um, so ham-fisted and beating you over the head yeah it's like hey it's geeky get it Uh, i it's probably i don't know it might be more interesting to people who like don't know all those references because because he also has to explain certain things like the uh uh the tomb of horrors or things like that from D D. but um Anyway, my, my point is that it starts off very uh, exposition heavy and yeah. kind of slow. But by the time the actual adventure starts out, it gets pretty interesting. And that, mm. I, I just got past that part now. So I'm actually interested to pick it back up again. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I so far, pretty good. I think you nice. should read it, too. I think I should as well. I agree. Uh, Ken from Street Fighter asks... So does the government know what kind of porn I look up? Why would the government want to know what kind of porn I look up? Why wouldn't they want to know? I think the correct answer is they don't and they don't. I would no. say that they do and they don't. No, I mean... Unless, well, they, unless they want to bring you, a case against you. Right. Like, See, but, but like that, if you're arrested that for something know, else. Or does that mean it would be indexable or they could find it? I think Are those two different things? No, it's indexable. That's part of the, the Patriot Act is... Uh, the the uh, what did I say the mass collection of metadata you know mm-hmm. they they can find out like they they don't they don't have someone sifting through all your stuff right now saying oh look at this guy who went to bigwankers.com or whatever you know <laughs> on, on June 8 June I've oh, never been there on June 3rd 1999 no right. uh, yeah. it's more like it definitely didn't exist then but but potentially I would think that hey Bob Jimmy Joe uh, he he's being brought up on racketeering charges let's see what else we can get on him oh look at look at this look he went to uh, bigwieners.com blah 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 you know they can look it up if they want to because it's been mass collected I think I that's agree. more the issue Right. It's, it's not so much that people care and what you're doing and they're looking at it right now. It's that they could because they have the data sitting or they can they, they get definitely it. could. They definitely could. They could get it if they wanted. That's for sure. But I don't think they care. They do care if you're the Dread Pirate Roberts and that helps them figure out where you are. So there you go. Um, Captain Carnage asks, so I'm 19 and beginning to bald. Any advice for me? Hats. At least you'll never have gray hair, brother. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm starting to, I got my eyebrows are starting to change. Good and, thing I've never had a gray hair ever. And my, my daughter's only eight months old, so that's just going to go downhill. You know that's going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, here we go. So, oh, yeah, uh, but bald, I don't think bald's a big thing nowadays. Bald's not a big thing nowadays. Like a lot of people are bald. It's not a big deal. I mean, especially if it if it starts to really go and becomes really, just shave your head. Yeah. I mean, some people it. can't pull it off, but try it. Whatever. Maybe yeah. you'll like it. You could just, like, 
cosplay as Mr. Clean all the time or something. You know, you can dry off out of the shower a lot quicker. That's true. That's true. You, know, you I do waste a lot of time shampooing and conditioning my hair. Ah, that's why it's so lustrous and full of vigor. Huh. Yeah, exactly. Um, I hope I don't lose my hair, though. I, I'll be honest. My hair is kind oh. of part of my image, and I, I'm one of those people that couldn't pull, pull bald off. Oh, I couldn't God. Do I, if I started balding, I'd just kill myself. Yeah, exactly. Terrible. What were we talking about? Uh, no, we were just trying to help that guy. Who's... Uh, oh, that poor schmuck. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, now good friend of the program, Pond Life, asks, is it possible to be both a cat person and a dog person? What are you and why? I'd say yes. Yeah, I think it's possible. Um, uh, not, not recommended. <laughs> well, I mean, I know people who have dogs and cats. The, th- the thing is that you can't just throw dogs and cats together. Uh, I think especially the cats need to grow up with a dog to feel comfortable with it. Um, <clears throat> old cats can be cranky as a rule. Uh, so that might be a little bit difficult. I, I would say I've grown up as a dog person when mm. I was a child. And then uh, once I had my own apartment and such, I found that cats were a lot easier to take care of because they poop in their own box and they need a lot less attention. Um, but they're still, you know, they're still good companions. So I would say I am a dog and a cat person. Yeah, um, that's cute. I, I think it's I think it's true. You can be both, uh, but I wouldn't recommend it. I am one hundred percent definitely a dog person. I hate cats. I loathe cats. Cats love I you. Think, I think cats should be exterminated from the entire universe. You know who loves you? Cooper loves you with a real cat face. Yes. Um, I, I I loathe cats, which is why cats love me. Because apparently, cats are uh, one of the reasons I don't like cats. Is because they are, uh, uh, they have such horrible personalities. So they hate the people that love them and love the people that hate them. Well, it's not because they have horrible personalities. It's because uh, yeah, you just have to figure out this counterintuitive crap to understand how they're thinking. Yeah, which to me defeats the purpose of having a pet. I heard some- when I just have a pet that like wants to save my life when I walk through the door, like a dog does. Wait, why do you see your life need saving when you walk through the door? Well, you never know. Cooper does not care about your life. He loves not at all. He loves it. Mm. Not at all. Doesn't care. Mm. Do you love me, Cooper? Meow. See, I think I just won. Okay. Well, what was well, I going to say? No, oh, yeah, because if you don't pay attention to cats, then they're like, oh, this person doesn't care, but they're not trying to kill me. Therefore, I like them. Yeah. There you go. That's good. I like that. Makes sense. Mister Mystery. Also, cats will eat you if you die alone in the house. Yeah, dogs won't. No, dogs won't eat you, and they're just going to die because they're stupid. No, but, but that's, 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 that's called loyalty. Loyalty used to mean something. Now it doesn't mean anything to cat people. Hey, apparently. hey. Mr. Mystery asks, what are your, you and Rue's feelings on Splatoon? Will its positive reception signal uh, more new IP from Nintendo? I hope so. I haven't played Splatoon. Um, I'll probably wait until it's on a sale at some point. I'll, I'll probably pick it up. It looks interesting. I've heard very good things about it. You yeah. don't have a Wii U. No, but, uh, you know, Splatoon is one of those games that kind of makes the case. It, it, it looks amazing. It really does. In terms of... I hope so. And I hope it's not just from Nintendo. I hope it's kind of in general. 
Um, I love Nintendo when they come up with new IP. It's usually some of the more interesting stuff you're going to see. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. All right. Um, no, stop. Vin's, <laughs> Vin's Pimpin' It asks, how long... Actually, I'll have to start with this because it's hilarious. Sup, bro, Beans. How long have either of you played <laughs> one video game in one sitting? Oh, man. I don't know. We, we, we have... we have Well, other than Rock Band? Probably Rock Band. Oh, Jesus. Because, because, <laughs> of, the, because of the old marathons, the longest you no. and I have probably played a single video game in no. one sitting is Rock Band. It's, it's got to be the answer. Have you ever played something longer than Rock Band? No. In one, in one sitting. In one sitting? I think so. No, you have. No, I think so because Rock Band Stop is. It. No, I'm serious. Rock Band is draining. How long did you play Rock Band at any given point during that thing? Like, like for friggin' ten hours? No, 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 no. You took breaks. Yeah. No, no, no. Taking breaks to go to the bathroom doesn't count. Yeah, that counts. This, that, no, counts. That, that counts. That counts. That counts. That counts. You're. No, no, no. Why could that count? That counts. That, you got to pee count. your britches. In order for it to count. No, no, that then then never. And I've no, never done that. In and all, the most you'll ever get out of a game is like three hours because you have to go pee. Hey, I think you have a problem and need to see a professional doctor. <laughs> not 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 a an amateur doctor. Um, <clears throat> yeah. If you got to pee every three minutes. <laughs> I said three. Did I say three minutes? I meant three hours. No, you said three hours, but I like to change it. Anyway. Um, uh, okay. Excluding Rock Band, I want to say probably a Civilization game. Because I just get completely enwrapped, like wrapped up in those. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like, like I, I'm sure I have spent at least a whole day and many hours at night playing a single sitting of Civilization, uh, something maybe four. Um, all, alternately, I do remember a time in high school. I think it was high school when a friend of a friend and I played Secret of Mana from beginning to end virtually every waking hour for about two days yeah but see you peed during that time no we didn't this doesn't count we put it in a bottle and we went this on. doesn't count if by your exact reasoning that doesn't count next question yeah exactly um we've it's been going totally for, rock band and you know it. it's rock band by the way you know it we've been going for like 90 minutes here just yeah I know. just to let you know yeah let, let me let me let me wrap it up with some nonsensical questions how do you, how do you like that cool Brockalope asks, do you think that Paul Blart Mall Cop could police the Silk Road? <laughs> Who do you think was behind that guy getting three or That's two right. long sentences? Do you, do, you, do you think that Paul Blart Mall Cop coming out only a few months ago is coincidence? Cool. Nope. He got blartified. He got blartified. He became a he became a, a Blart yep. case file. Him and Jeremy Lin worked together to bring down Silk Road. Lynn's sanity. Because Jeremy Lynn's not doing much ball playing nowadays. No, no. Well, he might be doing ball playing, but it's the kind you do on the couch. Wow. Um, let's see. If you could, let's see. Alatar asks, if you could elect to extend your life for 10 years, every 10 years, how long would you elect to keep the party going? That's assuming I would be partying if I were like 90, right? I don't think I'd be partying. Wait, so every 10 years... You have the you choice. Elect you have the to choice to die or live for another ten years. Right. Well, I mean, the thing is, assuming normal wear and tear on the body and aging effects, if life gets kind of crap. I would think by the time you hit around a hundred, <laughs> in a lot of ways, I would have to. Uh, 
I would have to take into account my amount of health by that point. Uh, but I'm guessing somewhere around 100. Yeah. Eh, probably about the same. I think after that, you unless unless technology completely changes medicine in the next 50 years, which it might, might not. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who um, knows? All of you should totally check out the uh, the picture that uh, Brock Elope just posted on Twitter of, of me of photoshopped Dorian. with a of very Dorian. fake bald head. The picture of Dorian Gray? No. <gasps> all right. Let's see. Um... Logan asks, hey, are you guys going to discuss controversies, hatred, Gamergate, swatting, just general new controversy? Yes. Next question. <laughs> um, <laughs> how about this one? Looks like you have Mr. Psych- Mr. Psychopather. Yeah, Mr. Mr. I know. Mr. Psychopather asks, has there ever been a game that had a ton of hype, which then died down that you didn't play and enjoy until way after? Nope. Oh, yeah. Never. A lot of those for both of us. Next. I know for a fact. <laughs> we totally have. Uh, think of uh, one. So, wait, wait, wait. It's a game that had a lot of hype. Psychonauts. Did Psychonauts have a lot of hype? Well, I mean, it's it's definitely as hype now. So, it's a game that was hyped when it first came out, died down, and then we played it yeah. later for the first time. It wasn't really hype when it first came out, was it? How about um... Grand Theft Auto? Which one? Three. Sorry. Grand Theft Auto Ooh, 3. Final Fantasy 7. Final Fantasy 7. I didn't, I didn't actually play that all the way through for quite a while after it came out because I didn't have a PS1. Because um, I stuck with the real console. Yeah, that wasn't a choice, though. <laughs> Think of something you had a choice that you well, didn't play. Well, that wasn't the question. Okay, fine. I feel better that it wasn't so, micro, that wasn't a so Photoshop sad. either. That was a Microsoft Paint. Oh, good. So, just so you know how how great the quality is of this image you're about to go find. Um, all right. So, why don't you spend a couple moments telling people how we are a real life podcast, and then we'll wrap this whole sucker up. Hey guys, we're a real life podcast. You can find us on Echo Screen. Or sorry, you can find us on iTunes and Android. <laughs> And Stitcher. <laughs> you find the Echo Screen on the Echo Screen. That's true. There's your uh, logical fallacy of the evening. You know, and uh, just search for Echo Screen Live. You'll find us. Uh, please rate us on the iTunes App Store or whatever it's called. Uh, and we appreciate that. You know, we haven't checked uh, the reviews anytime lately. There might be some interesting new ones. Maybe we'll bring it up next time. For our E3 Spectacular, which will be in two weeks. Wednesday, June 17th, 2015. Um... That will be a, uh, I mean, technically E3 won't be done by that point, but I have a feeling most all of the important announcements will be. So, yes, we'll and give our uh, thoughts. You, you totally need to click the link that uh, Adam820 just sent out because it actually looks like I have a bald head and you can see why I would look so bad with a bald head. This is true. All right. So, <laughs> but, but I do like the lens flare off of my shiny head. That's, a, that's an awesome touch. Are you J.J. Uh, Abrams now? <laughs> no, I didn't make this. I didn't make it. <laughs> I, I, I am the I am the Chris Pine of this J.J. Abrams lens flare. You're something. I'm something. Anyway, all right. So uh, thank you for uh, listening in and or watching in, if you did, whatever. Uh, for us. Uh, <laughs> whatever. I don't care. Go to hell. Yeah. By the way, we are bi-weekly now, too. So being bi-weekly, you know when we're going to be. Whoa, so, whoa. Um, bi-weekly. Got it. Yeah, bi-weekly. Sorry. So you'll see us every two weeks, in other words, for those of you that don't speak English. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> Or 
Actually, you'd probably have to speak English to understand that. So again, logical fallacy number two. Say habla inglés. Right. So uh, we can see what your your contribution to this podcast is going to be. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening and watching and participating, especially when we did a, uh, a topic that was, you know, pretty off kilter from what we normally do. But I had fun. Sometimes we do the deep dives. Yeah, I hope you did, too. We'll talk about nonsensical stuff and have lots of, lots of joking and, you know, fart jokes and stuff like that next week. So if that's what you like, <laughs> maybe maybe more real cat faces. Whatever. It was stupid, stupid Commodore jokes or quotes or whatever. We'll have that all back next week. All right. <laughs> uh, but for now, we will leave you to the silent abyss that is your life. For Rue, I am the Commodore for the Clan of the Gray Wolf. And there is no reset button. That is true. show that you want do you, do you smell something Paul Blart Mall Cup 2 now in theaters